Hola mi gente. The moment you've been waiting for is finally here. My brand new book, Financially Lit, is officially out. And I can't wait for you to get your copy. Inside this book, I'm bringing you culturally relevant and relatable personal finance advice that will allow you to finally feel seen, heard, and understood. Whether it's the guilt you feel from being the first person to make it while members of your family are still struggling, or the way that financial trauma manifests itself in negative and limiting beliefs around money, Financially Lit is here to guide you through it all. Just a few years ago, it was almost impossible to find personal finance books written for first-generation wealth-building Latinas. We have been forced to navigate the complicated world of money with a bunch of money books written by old white dudes who don't understand what it's like for us first-gen kids. But that stops right here, right now. Inside Financially Lit, you will learn how to set boundaries with your familia, with your dinero, create and pass on generational wealth, diversify and increase your income, protect yourself from financial abuse, navigate the complicated relationship between amor and dinero, invest like a white dude or better, and so much more. You can get your hard copy and audiobook version of Financially Lit at financiallylitbook.com and make sure to join our email list so you can find out when I'm stopping in a city near you for the Financially Lit book tour. See you soon. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. You're listening to Yo Quiero Dinero, a personal finance podcast for the modern Latina. I'm your host, Janice Torres Rodriguez, personal finance expert, speaker, writer, and business coach. I teach women of color how to build wealth and gain financial independence through side hustles and investing. On this show, we're serving up POC-friendly personal finance knowledge, always with a side of sass. We're talking about how to make dinero, how to keep it, and how to make it grow. If you're ready to become poderosa with your dinero, you've come to the right place. Hola, mi gente. Welcome back to another episode of Yo Quiero Dinero, the podcast. This is your host, Janice. And today we're going to be talking about what you need to know before investing in real estate with Ogechi Ibokwe of One Savvy Dollar. Ogechi is a financial educator, real estate investor, and founder of One Savvy Dollar. After purchasing her first property at 21 and paying off her $26,000 student loan debt in 2017, she created One Savvy Dollar for one purpose to inspire and empower millennials into saving more, paying off debt, and building wealth so they can live their best lives. Her personal finance tips and money story have been featured on Credit Karma, Nerd Wallet, The Journey to Launch podcast, and many more. Ogechi has an amazing and insane story about purchasing her first real estate property, and I cannot wait for you guys to hear it. It is hilarious and absolutely nuts. And I can't wait for you to hear all of Ogechi's tips on how you can prepare yourself and your finances to invest in real estate. Remember this phrase, there's levels to this. Let's get into today's conversation with Ogechi Bokwe of One Savvy Dollar. Y'all, before we hop into today's episode, I have a couple of housekeeping announcements. Y'all already know. If you love this podcast, let us know. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. That way we know what we're doing right and we know what we could improve. 
And that actually helps people like you find us too. So take a moment, hop on over to your iPhone, click on the purple app and leave us a review. I would love you forever. If you're not already following us on social media, you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Facebook, all the things. So find us at Yo Quiero Dinero Podcast, and you can follow us even on Pinterest. And pin us to your favorite board of collecting shit that you're never going to actually get around to doing. And if you want more community, more knowledge, head over to YoQuieroDineroPodcast.com. That's our blog where you can find episode show notes, personal finance articles, our favorite money tools, and you can even sign up for the waitlist for our new digital course, the Ultimate Side Hustle Starter Kit that's opening in January. I can't wait to see y'all. Definitely sign up for that. All right, Ogechi, welcome to the podcast. I am so excited to have you here. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, and I'm excited to be here as well. So I love your content. I actually found you on Instagram at One Savvy Dollar, and you are making amazing content about investing and real estate and personal finance in general. And so I'm curious, let's first start off with getting to know you and who you are, and then we can get into why you're so passionate about educating people on personal finance. Sure. Um, my name is Ogechi. I'm an immigrant. I'm Nigerian-American. Um, I would kind of say that I've lived two lives, <laughs> one half in Nigeria, and then I moved here when I was 18, and the other half here. Um, I'm a personal finance educator, a real estate investor, and the founder of One Savvy Dollar, where we talk about personal finance and real estate and basically all things money for millennials. I have a bachelor's degree in communications. Um, and I have a master's in accounting. I did work in banking for like retail banking for a little bit. And I would say that's where I kind of picked up the passion. And so what do you currently do? Right now I am a bank examiner, just going around, we look into banks and make sure that they are regulated. But in the meantime, though, I also have my real estate investing and educate on personal finance. I love that. And I love your blog because I'm a blogger too. So I love when people take the time to put out information that's going to help people. Yeah. Um, so I love what you're doing. And I'm curious to know, first off, what was your relationship with money like growing up? Did you grow up in a family that talked about money or is this something that came about once you actually got into your banking career? I wouldn't say we talked about money because I grew up with my mom. I, w I won't say we, we really had conversations about it. I'll say this, though. We were by no means rich. She was just a, a regular worker. She was a civil servant back home. I grew up with a lot of love. But when I look back now, we didn't have money by any means. I mean, I'm the kind of person who, equate, who equ at the time equated having money with owning cars, like mm. coming to someone's house and just seeing a flip, you know, a bunch of cars, but that that definitely wasn't our life. While my mom my mom didn't talk about money, she definitely showed me how to handle money. In what sense? In the sense that she bought her uh, her own home. Mm. She bought her own home at when I was fourteen. Now, the reason why this was very should I say monumental for me at the time was because she paid cash for it. Where wow. I'm from. We don't, at the time, probably things have changed now, 
you know, a lot of, you know, this was back in 2000. So a lot of things would have changed probably back home right now. But at the time, she had to save up. And the way things generally work where I'm from, once you buy a home, you own it. Like most people had to buy their homes or build their homes outright from their mm-hmm. pocket. So we, we didn't have things like mortgages or, you know, credit cards or, you know, like building credit and stuff like that. So okay. she bought a little fixer upper and fixed the home and bought a home. So she definitely did show me how to save and invest. I love that. So yeah, I could see how that could be a totally powerful engine, you know, like it just starts your mind whirling and thinking about like with the possibilities of, of what you can achieve. So kudos to mom for planting that seed. <laughs> That's amazing. Okay. So that started your, or that was the spark that kind of put real estate in your mind, right? So yes. can you talk us through your journey with real estate yourself? Yes, absolutely. So when she bought the home, I was 14 at the time. Seven years later, I bought my own home at 21. Wow. So, yeah, so I moved here. I don't know what happened. I think a lot of things happened to me at 21. I was just feeling like I need to do something with my life. Please don't ask me. Don't ask me why a 21-year-old would feel like she had to do something with her life. But that was just my headspace at the time. I'm like, I have to do something. Something I just I just wanted more. I I remember waking up and saying, No, I have to do something with myself. And what can I do? How can I change my own life? I just I just was dissatisfied with what was going on in my life. Not that anything bad was going on. I just felt like there was no should I say action? I wanted mm-hmm. something, something. I wanted the adventure, should I say, at the time. I just wanted yeah. to do something bigger than myself. And I said, well, you know what? I'll just buy a house. I'll just be a home. <laughs> no <laughs> big deal. Yeah. No big it's deal. a very lofty goal for a <laughs> exactly. So I started researching. I started Googling. I started researching. I mean, again, you have to, this was back in 2007. Mm-hmm. A lot of things has changed from then to now. I mean, now we have social media. We have we have more information than we did at the time. Oh, absolutely. So I started Googling around. I quickly realized that because I live in New York, I quickly realized that New York was definitely out of out of the picture for me because it's way too expensive here. It's expensive. It was expensive then. It's still expensive now. <laughs> so, so I said, you know what? What can I do? And at the time, as crazy as it sounds, I was watching a lot of MTV. And I realized that most of the entertain, most of the black entertainers were from Atlanta. Mm. So, and then I Googled Atlanta again, this, this might just sound crazy and bizarre, but I Googled Atlanta. I kind of did a little more digging and found out that, okay, Atlanta is kind of cheaper than New York. Um, the weather's better as far as, you know, cause here it snows. Mm-hmm. We, have, we have brutal winters. Right. It's much nicer down there. And I said, okay, if my mom moved here, you know, we could move out to Atlanta because my mom was still back home. So it was a case of, okay, she moved here and she didn't want to stay in New York because it, it's too cold for her. Then we can, we can move to Atlanta. So I said, you know what? I'm just going to map out Atlanta and go from there. Okay. And I started to research Google, found a guy with, now we have Zillow, we have Realtor app, we have all these real estate search en- engines, but at the time we kind of didn't, or at least they weren't as nice 
looking as they, <laughs> they are now. So I found this guy online on the internet. He had, um, he had several homes in between Atlanta and Georgia. And we spoke for a little bit and kids, please don't do this. Don't, don't. <laughs> just gonna, I'm just going to issue this warning. Please do not do this. Cause you know, it turned out okay for me, but it's, it's dangerous, okay. especially now in these times, you know, let someone know where you're going. Cause I literally hopped on a plane and went to meet this guy. And I'm just grateful because it was Memorial day weekend. And we, you know, I got, I got in really late. I had no idea I had to book a hotel in advance. Just so many things that could have gone wrong ended up being right for me. I, mm. I met with the seller. He um, took me to the houses, showed me everything. As, a, as I was about to leave, you know, I'm like, I wasn't impressed. I'm like, so I flew all this way just to see this. He's like, okay, I have one more house for you, but I don't think it's, I said, you know what? I just, I need to see it. Mm-hmm. And right there we went, the moment I saw the house, I was like, yes, this is it. Wow. And I bought the home, came, flew back, found the lender and the rest is history. So that was my first start. That is amazing. Crazy story. Super ballsy. I'm like, high five. Cause Thank you. that's amazing. Um, so I'm curious, like, how did you actually set yourself up financially to be able to buy a home at 21? Like, were you always a saver or like, how did that happen? I would say at the time it was a little bit of, it was a little bit of luck, a little bit of opportunity and a little bit of hard work. Mm-hmm. So I got my first credit card at 19. Mind you, I bought this home at 21. Mm-hmm. I got my first credit card at 19. And at the time, I didn't even know what credit was. The <laughs> only lesson, because yeah, because back you know where I'm from, we never used credit card. What happened was I walked into the bank wanting to open a checking account. That was it. I was, you know, I had my little job and I just wanted to open a checking account to be able to keep my money. And this guy gave me a checking account, a savings account, and a credit card. And I said, wow. what is this card? He said, oh, it's just the card that you use and you pay back every month. That was the only <laughs> lesson I got on credit cards. Jesus. And yes. And so I, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to use it when I know that I'm going to buy something. Uh-huh. So once I know I, I, I want to spend money, I'll just use the card instead and then pay the card within a few days. And so I actually did that religiously for two years. So by the time I was ready to buy that home from 19 to 21, by the time I was ready to buy the home, I already had a 721 credit score. Wow. So in such a short amount of time, it's amazing. Yes. In a short amount of time without just with just based off of the credit card. Now, again, you have to go back to the timing of this event. This was 2007. The economy was booming the real estate market was booming. You know, lenders were happy Handing to be out money. Right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> lenders were. I mean, lenders could have given anyone with a pulse a mortgage. That's that's how you know. That's how the economy was at the time. So all you, yeah. The point is, you didn't have to do a lot of work to get mm-hmm. in. And so here I was. I had a little money saved. You know, not not 
very much just about five, I think between five to seven thousand here and there that I was able to save over time. Um, because I think that you were able to buy a home, right? So, were you impacted by the recession at, at, at any level with your real estate or anything like that? Um, back then, yes and no, in okay. some way. So, yes, in the sense that the value of my home did drop, but I wasn't looking to sell it. So here's the thing people need to realize, like a, a loss is not a loss until you realize it. And a gain is not a gain until you realize it. For instance, when you look at your stock portfolio and you know you see that the numbers went down, that's just paper. Right. Until you sell, you haven't actually had a loss. So for me at the time, I wasn't looking to sell my home. And funny, I still have that home till today do so i wasn't looking to sell so yes the values went down but it was rented out and my tenant was paying rent so i really wasn't impacted so how did you then continue to evolve in your real estate uh journey like what have you accomplished since then okay well after that one home i came back to new york and i decided you know what maybe it's time to look here in new mm. york and go from there and i did the same exact thing for my second home what you <laughs> like showed up at a random guy's house <laughs> oh my god <laughs> i found another guy who had a bunch of homes where the hell do you find these people <laughs> Oh it's hilarious. It is hilarious. It is hilarious. But one thing I can take away from the story of my first two homes is this that if you desire something, if as long as you desire, as long as you are, you know, you this is something you've set your mind to accomplish, you will find a way. Mm. You will keep yeah. trying. No matter what, you'll just keep trying until you finally find a way to get it. So I love the, that. The story of my second home is pretty much the same. And I still have my second home. I, the seller and I were still friends. I mean, I spoke to him this morning. He eventually became my mentor. Oh, wow. You know, yeah. Mark, I mean, he sold me my second home. And he, he actually helps me take care of my home because the house to the left and to the right of mine are his. Mm. So he's still technically in my Your life neighbor. in that way. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Right. So yeah, I bought the second home. Um, then I, I stopped buying homes. I was like, okay, so I have, so basically before I turned 22, I already had two homes. Wow. Then I stopped. Super impressive. <laughs> yeah. Then I stopped. Then I kept going to school. You know, I got my, I Finished my so yeah I finished my associates in two thousand seven went on to get my bachelor's finished in two thousand nine went on to get my master's finished in two thousand thirteen had the ceremony in two thousand fourteen by two thousand fourteen I got another job then of course student loans hit mm -hmm. <laughs> like okay I have these loans to pay and I just kept saving just continued and built that muscle of saving my money. I had to save. If there's one thing real estate teaches you, I always tell people that st the stock market will teach you emotional discipline. Mm. 
Mm. And real estate will teach you responsibility. Oh, yes. Having those two homes, I practically grew up with them. I grew Mm -hmm. up with my homes. So I had to be responsible. I was responsible for everything, you know, making sure the bills were paid, regardless of what was going on in my own, you know, personal life. I was responsible for, you know, the water bill, just making sure that everything was fine Mm -hmm. and all the bills were paid. Then um, I kept paying off my student loans. Just making regular payments, regular monthly payments. And then in 2017, because I told my, I I eventually sat down and thought about it. And I said to myself, what kind of life would you like to live? I think this was 2016. By then I had turned, I was turning 30. So I said, I don't know that I want to be in my 40s, still paying for a loan that I took out in my 20s. That's no way to live. You can't have this student loan just impacting your life forever. So let's look into, you know, paying it off. A lot of people pay off their student loans however way, you know, they get side hustles, they throw in chunks towards their loan. I just made one lump sum. On the morning of my 31st birthday, I called them up. I asked them for the balance. They gave me the balance. I looked in my account. There was enough there to cover it and a little bit more. And I just gave them the permission to go ahead. Just wow. Take, that is one heck of a birthday <laughs> gift. Yes, exactly. And it's the gift that keeps on giving. Absolutely. Now you have freed up this money, right? To do things that can actually benefit you. Girl, you have no idea. Like I feel for every, it's the gift that keeps on giving every year on my birthday. I'm like, man, I can't believe I'm free. <laughs> I'm free. That's amazing. So, um, I paid off my student loans 2017 and then 2018, I resumed my real estate. In fact, once I got the student loans out of the way, I was able to focus on my real estate full on and I have bought real estate every year ever. Wow. So how many properties are you at this point? At this point, I'm at four properties that consist of one single family home and three um, multi-property. So you are building a real estate legacy, a real estate empire at this point. Basically. And then I have, and then I have one rehab. So it's actually five homes. Wow. Well, congratulations first off, because the amount of stuff that you've accomplished in before the age of 30 is just mind boggling to Thank me. Thank you. Thank you. So I really want us to get some advice from you because obviously you have been successful in not only managing debt and getting rid of it, but also investing in real estate. So first let's talk about your advice when it comes to budgeting or saving or debt payoff. Can you share with us some of your best tips? I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. 
from the launch your online store shop phase to the first real life store stage, all the way to the, did we just hit a million order stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. What I love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dinero, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dinero now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dinero. Some tips that I have would be figuring out exactly what you really want. You have to picture your life and decide what kind of life you want to live three years from now, five years from now, seven years from now, 10 years from now. Once you sit there, because that was really what I had to do with my student loans. I'm like, I don't, I don't want to be, I don't want to have children and I'm dealing with their education. I'm still dealing with my student loans. It didn't make sense to me. So you have to really sit down and figure out where you want to be in the next three to five years with your personal life, where you want to be in the next year. It doesn't have to be that far off where you want to be next year, what you want to accomplish and write it down, picture it, write it down. There's a lot of power in putting things in writing because it's, it, it, it makes the goal one step real, make a vision board. If you have to, if you get motivated by what you see and put it somewhere, put it somewhere where you can see it, put it on your, in your room, on your fridge, somewhere, just make it visible, write it down and make it visible. I love that advice. And as far as real estate, what lessons have you learned that you'd want to share with us today? (laughs) 10 years in the game. I'm going to say this. I'm going to give my advice in parts because it depends on how you go, what you decide to do. If you just want to, some people just want to own homes. They just want to own the home that they live in and that's it. You know, they're more interested in the stock market and there's nothing wrong with that. So if you, if you're looking to buy your own home, I'll say this. You must buy a home that you can truly afford. That is the number one tip ever. You must buy a home that you can afford, which means you have to sit down, create a budget. You can't let the bank decide what you can afford. I know you're going to get a pre-approval. Your pre-approval is not based off of your net income. It's based off of your gross income. So at the end of the day, you're the only one who really knows you're the only one who really knows how much you really make. You could be making $100,000 on paper, but is that what you're bringing home? You have some debt that shows up on your credit report. And then there are certain debt or obligations that don't show up on your credit report, like your utilities and your phone bill and you know your car insurance. But those bills are just as real as the ones that show up on your credit report. 
So this is why you have to figure out how much home you can afford so you can buy a home that you can truly afford. Such important advice. Right. And that's for the homeowners. The real estate investor, I'm going to give you a lot of tips because real estate investing can get complicated depending on your strategy. You can't, and this first tip goes to people who live in high cost of living states. I mean, off the top of my head, there are probably five or six, New York, California, DC, certain, some other states. You can't limit yourself because that's one thing I hear a lot. A lot of people say, oh, I want to invest in real estate, but you know, I live in a high cost of living state. Well, you live in one out of 49 states. Take your pick, go somewhere to the, to the east of you, to the west of you, to the south of you, to the north, just figure it, figure it out. There, there are neighboring states around you that may not be as expensive as the state you live in. If you live in California, you have Portland, Oregon, you have Arizona, you have um, Las Vegas. If you live in New York, you have, you have um, Philadelphia, you have Connecticut, you have the, the, the bottom line is that you, it's not, don't limit yourself geographically. The question is how far are you willing to go? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I think why most people feel like they can't afford real estate is because they get stuck in this mindset that they have to live where they live. Yes. And it's like, no, you can always get a different job. You can always move somewhere I else. Like you're not, you're not stuck anywhere. Exactly. You're stuck in your mind. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That is so, that is so true. Then, um, I would say screen your tenants, screen your tenants. That's for the real estate investors. Have your criteria for renting and stick to it. If it's a credit issue, if it's, um, income on an income basis, whatever your criteria is, just stick to it. Make sure you conduct your, your background checks. Make sure you check references. Just make sure that you have the right tenant. Someone, someone who's do, do as much checks as you possibly can, and don't be desperate for the money because you're gonna come come to a point where you want to rent out a house so fast, so fast that you're willing to take anybody. Don't do it. It's better to have an empty apartment than a bad tenant. I know that's right. My land, uh, my uh, in-laws are dealing with this right now. They just took the first person that, you know, applied and it's been a nightmare. They've brought random people in to live in the apartment that aren't even on the lease. It's just been a nightmare and it's just been a, such a huge source of stress, you know? And if you happen to live in a place that's not landlord friendly, like there's states that are just a lot less understanding of, of landlords and the stuff they have to deal with and others, you have to really think about that too. Exactly. So, you know, and that's why you have to, um, be constantly saving if you want to be a real estate investor, because you can't be desperate. You're better off having an empty unit than a tenant who's just going to give you a headache. Yep. I hear that. Love that advice. All right. So I'm curious, what um, advice would you give to someone who's ready to like get control of their finances so that they can start investing in real estate? You have to assess where you are. That's the first step. You have to No, The first step is actually having an honest conversation with yourself. A lot of people want to skip, you know, they want to skip their learning. They want to skip 
They want to go from 10 instead of starting at one. There's a reason why number nine is after one because there are levels to everything. So you have to have an honest conversation with yourself and assess your situation. We all know what we're doing wrong. For me, for instance, before I started saving, I knew I was spending my money in the malls. I knew that. I mean, every Friday I was there. Every weekend I was at the mall. And then I said, no, this, I can't, I can't keep on like this. Something has to change. And I remember the moment, because it was literally like a a coming to Jesus moment. (laughs) (laughs) I was staring at my account in horror. I'm like, what is going on here? Why is there no money in here? I'm asking as if I wasn't the one spending it, you know? And then I said, I have to do better. I have to start. I have to take control. I have to take charge because I, I can't keep living like this. You know, and I tried to excuse it away. Oh, I'm not making a lot of money. This was at the time. This was back in 2011. I'm not making a lot of money. I'm not, I try to make the excuses, all the excuses we all make. But really, it. I mean, where would that have taken me? So I decided I made the decision. And right there and then I created a sub account. I already had an account, but I created another account, transferred $50. And I said, you know what? This is going to be the account that saves me. I love that advice. That's excellent. And then as far as real estate, if somebody is ready to start investing in real estate, what advice would you give them? I'm going to say this. And I know, you know, the personal finance space, there there are multiple debates on everything. You're in that (laughs) you're in the space, so you know. I'll tell you, don't don't go it alone. Don't try in, in real estate, you see. Real estate and stock market investing, I always compare them because they're like two sides of a coin. Anyone can get into stock, into the stock market. You know, you download an app, you purchase a stock for $30, $40, $20. You don't like the stock in two minutes, you can get rid of it. Real estate is not the same. You can't, you can't buy real estate in two minutes. Well, you could, I don't know, you could get a contract, I guess, but you can't sell real estate just like that. There's paperwork involved. So I'm going to tell anyone looking to start, please get a mentor. Please take a class. Please read a lot because the, the losses in real estate are huge. It's, you're, not, you're not going to lose $50. You're going to lose thousands. We're talking four-figure, five-figure losses. So it's a case of, and, and some people might not agree. Some people who are real estate investors might say, oh, you know, I just jumped into it. I, personally, I did jump into it, but I learned, like I, I, I took some losses as well. For instance, the first home I bought, I didn't do an inspection. That was a mistake. I, yeah, that was a mistake I made. You see, if I had a mentor, a mentor or I took a class, I would have been told you need, an, you need to do an inspection on the property. What I didn't know was that the plumbing had older pipes. So the first two years, I had to deal with occasional leaks and pipe replacement. Now, had I done an inspection and discovered that, I would have gone back to the, to the negotiating table and one of two things would have happened. Either I would have gotten, gotten the home for cheaper, you know, I would have asked the seller to reduce the price or I would have asked the seller to fix the issue and provide receipts for us to be able to close. So you see, these are things that you, you, you can you learn as you read, or if you have a mentor or you take a course or, but you have to make the investment and, and it's up to you to decide at the end of the day, do you want to lose five figures or do you want to pay a couple of hundreds, you know, to take a course or find a mentor or you decide how you want to do this. 
That's a really good point. And I definitely had that experience when I owned my rental property. Um, you know, it's just, I went into it thinking it was going to be all like unicorns and roses. And it definitely was not like I was never more broken when I owned property. You know, something's always fit broken. Yeah. Something's leaking. You're dealing with crazy, you know, you get a tax assessment. Now your property taxes go up. And even when you sell the house, there's no guarantee. I had to pay $10,000 to sell my house. Like it was just not a pleasant experience for me. And a lot of it is because I didn't really know what the hell I was getting myself into. Oh, I know. And sometimes a lot of us want to do things, but there's an order to doing things. There's steps. See, this is why I said step one. They said there are levels to everything. Um, you, you made a good point that I wanted to give advice to, to the homeowners. Well, homeowners or real estate investors, because it will happen. Either way. You brought up the issue of taxes. A lot of first timers or newbies get um shocked when the following year because most of them because they don't put 20 percent down they have to escrow so once you escrow the bank is taking care of everything for you you know your taxes your insurance paying that out for you and then they get that letter that you know your escrow has gone up sometimes it goes up by a lot because your taxes and stuff increases after the first year and this is why you must keep saving that's exactly the mistake that I made. I just saved enough for a down payment and then I was poor. <laughs> and then it's like, oh, wait a minute. That's not the only thing I have to spend money on. No, no. <laughs> I mean, down payments, your upfront costs, moving, closing costs. I bought a home in, in New Jersey. So in the first, in the two years that I owned it, the property taxes went up by almost $2,000. It was like insanity. And I'm like, oh my God. New Jersey has one of the highest taxes. For nothing. For nothing. <laughs> this is why I'm in Florida now. <laughs> sorry, sorry, New Jersey folks. I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to 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 rain on your parade. But seriously, they have they have a huge. They pay way too much for. Yeah. And so one of the things that you also talk about too, is like, you should know exactly what your strategy is going to be when you decide to start investing in real estate. You need to, are you going to be a flipper? Are you going to be a buy and hold investor? Like, what is your goal? You can't just be like, yeah, I'm going to buy property and let's see what happens. Exactly. You decide how you want to do this. Are you going to, even for the first time home buyers who kind of want to be home buyers, but also want to invest kind of, are you going to house hack mm -hmm. your way into ownership? You know, and even when you decide you want to, let's say, for instance, buy and hold, are you going to buy and hold single family homes or multi property mm -hmm. homes? It's going to be two, two to four. Are you going to go the commercial route? You see what I said? There are levels to this stuff. So you have to decide your strategy. Real estate is and is a huge industry. It's a beast on its own. Absolutely. So, yeah. So I'm curious how you went from real estate investor to personal finance educator. Can you walk us through what your path was with that? Absolutely. I think that both of them are related. They're related because you can't have real estate or you can't, as far as I'm concerned. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then... Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. 
What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. You can't be successful with real estate if you don't have your personal finances down. Mm-hmm. So you're saving, you're budgeting, your debt, your credit. Consider that to be pre-calculus. And then real estate investing is calculus. Yes. And you can't take calculus without taking pre-calculus. <laughs> so it's all, I'm, I didn't mean to go academic. You know, I didn't mean to use calculus to scare people, but that's just, that's really how it works. So I don't, people think that your personal, these things are isolated. No. You're, you're saving, you're budgeting, your credit, your debt, they're all intertwined. They're all related. And so it wasn't really that much of a leap for me. Don't forget, I have a master's in accounting and I've worked retail banking. And then I have my own personal stories when I started saving, the moment I paid off my debt, buying my first home. So I realized they're all together. And mm-hmm. Um, it only made sense to put, because even, even on Instagram, we're all on Instagram, right? You know, the uh, personal finance folks are in one corner and then the real estate folks are in another corner. To me, I just felt they, they don't have to be separate. You can talk about stocks in isolation because you don't really need to have a budget to, you know, to invest in the stock market. Your debt almost almost doesn't matter. Not that it doesn't matter. It matters, but you know, you're not going to get denied buying stocks because you have a huge debt. You see what I'm saying? You don't have to get pre-approved to buy a share of Apple. (laughs) You don't exactly. So you can talk about stocks kind of in Iceland, but when it comes to real estate, everything is all pieced together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. All right. So I'm curious. I asked this question to all of my guests. What is your money mantra? My money mantra is that I'm, I'm worthy of wealth. I'm worthy. I'm, I'm not ashamed to say I've always desired to be wealthy. A lot of people have this shame about money. They're like, Oh yeah, I don't want to look money hungry or whatever. I'm, I've been poor. Poverty is not noble. (laughs) there's there's nothing noble about poverty you know just make sure your stuff is legal but don't you know go after money please and we try to make it seem as if you know money yeah we know money isn't everything we know we get it but it makes life a lot easier exactly if you if you were a millionaire you would have worried about you know the two thousand dollar increase you'd be like how much is that two thousand oh Exactly. If you're a millionaire and you're actually budgeting for those increases, because you could be a millionaire and be as reckless as somebody who's making $20,000 a year. Of course. But the <laughs> fact is that if you, you know, if we're well, there are just certain things you won't have to worry about. You just pay it. So, um, yeah, I, I'm worthy of wealth. I, I desire to be a wealthy individual, and not just for myself, for myself, for my family, for my community. Um, so that I can use my wealth to demand the change that I deserve as well. 
That's super powerful. And I think that message definitely resonates with our listeners. So thank you for sharing that. Ogechi, this has been an amazing conversation and I can't wait for folks to follow you if they don't already. Check out the blog at One Savvy Dollar. Where else can we find you and follow your journey? You can also find me on Instagram, on Instagram at One Savvy Dollar. Let me tell y'all, Ogechi's content on Instagram is like top notch, okay? So if you're not following her already, you definitely need to because she, the amount of information that she's able to compact in these little squares of information is mind boggling. So keep doing your thing, girlfriend. You're super inspiring. And thank you for being a, a voice in this space that is so needed. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And I I love your content as well. You are definitely needed in the personal finance space for um, people of color, for women, for Latinas. Thank you so much. I hope you loved today's episode. Ogechi shared so many important tips that you need to take into account before you decide to invest in real estate. Like she mentioned, real estate is not like purchasing stocks. You do not need to worry about your credit score, how much money is in the bank, how much money you owe to buy stocks. Anybody can purchase stocks. You just download an app and be on your merry way. But when we're talking about real estate investing, you have to be financially prepared because the costs associated with purchasing and maintaining and investing in real estate are just way higher than it is to buy some fractional shares of Apple on your new Robinhood account. All right, so I hope that you take lots of notes during this episode, listen to it over and over again, and make sure you follow Ogechi at One Savvy Dollar on Instagram. She is sharing so many gems, not just about real estate, but personal finance in general. She's one of my favorite content creators, and I think you'll love her too. Until next time, guys. Stay savvy, stay smart, and stay poderosa. On the Yo Quiero Dinero podcast and associated entities, all information provided is for general information purposes only and does not constitute accounting, legal, tax, or other professional advice. Listeners should not act upon the content or information found here without first seeking appropriate advice from an accountant, financial planner, lawyer, or other professional. We assume no responsibility for information contained on this podcast and associated entities and disclaim all liability with respect to such information, including but not limited to any liability for errors, inaccuracies, omissions, or misleading or defamatory statements. Usage of this podcast and associated content constitutes an explicit understanding and acceptance of the terms of this disclaimer.